The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. And welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. We're coming to you live from the Warner Center in Woodland Hills, California. This is the home for Autism Live. It is also home for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. We are very thrilled to be here with you on this Wednesday morning. You know that on Wednesday, we love to have the opportunity to bring you Dr. Doreen Grampy-Shea. I'm sorry to say she's not here with us live today, but we've got a great episode for you going over some of the, the best of the best, uh, some of the questions. Now, you can keep sending questions, and we're going to have experts here tomorrow, so feel free to keep sending in your questions. Uh, but we want you to see this wonderful episode of Ask Dr. Doreen. And you can keep sending your, I believe we have her next week. So I know you guys are disappointed, but it's still good. It's still good. Uh, and I'll be able to monitor questions to during uh, this recorded episode that we're about to show you. I do want to remind you that our show is meant to be interactive, whether we are live or Memorex. There's always somebody monitoring. So uh, Traven's showing you some of the different ways that you can connect with us here at the show. I want to remind you that our homepage is a very good way to connect with us. That's autism-live.com when you go there. Everything is free, by the way. I just uh, you know, want to remind you that on iTunes and on YouTube, it's a free download on iTunes. There's no cost to you guys. Um, but if you're on our homepage, autism-live.com, lots of ways to interact. You can send a live question to me directly from there. It's in the chat, which is at the bottom. Uh, you can also, by the way, be going through the Ask Dr. Doreen questions. You don't have to do them by date, like you can do them by date, but you can also do it by question uh, right on the website if you go to topics. Um, and then it gives you an ABC of questions answered by Dr. Grampiche, which is a really wonderful resource. Um, and I, I just want to remind you that we will be back live tomorrow. Great show with great guests and Friday, stellar. You're just not going to believe the lineup that we have for you this week. But now, my friends, it's time for Ask Dr. Doreen. Welcome to Ask Dr. Doreen, and we're welcoming back Dr. Doreen Grampiche. Thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure. We always miss you when you're not here. We always tell I'm our sorry, audience. Yeah, I've missed a few weeks. But, I think. but you have other things to do, and sometimes those things call you away, and we have to share you. And we're very, we, we understand I that. It. Thank but we you. love it when you're here. Thank you we, so much. we do love that. And our audience loves that too. I want to remind people that Dr. Grampiche is a true expert in the field of autism. She's also a visionary in this field. She's been working in this 
this field for it's you're coming up on some crazy 40 years number. next year 40 years next year you would never believe that to look at her but it's true um there is a paint crazy. a painting aging underneath the bed somewhere <laughs> for her but uh we're so grateful i think the whole world is grateful that you've been working in this field so long and that you not only see things from the perspective of the individuals who are on the spectrum but also for their caregivers and the people who love them and the people who are helping them to overcome the challenges that they have and make those what they're overcoming meaningful because it's not the same for everyone absolutely and you're fantastic that way so we thank you so you guys can be writing in your questions to her right now on our youtube channel on our live feature on our facebook live on our periscope on our twitter um all those different ways but i want to take a question that came in on the live feature right away and before that i want to just say we always start with a disclaimer that there is no expert that in this format could give individual specific advice. So that is not the intent here. Dr. Grampiche is here to share the wealth of knowledge that she has and help us to know maybe what questions we have uh, and who to ask them of and give us some general information about how you might proceed. So just want to be clear about that. Okay. Uh, this person just wrote in a few minutes ago, I have tons of questions and concerns about my son mm -hmm. who is on the spectrum, but I just needed a safe place to say I'm tired and frustrated. I oh. needed a safe place to say this. This is going to make me cry. Yeah. I needed a safe place to say this and not feel like a bad mother. I love my son to death, but life is so difficult right now. He's two and a half. He's frustrated because he can't communicate very well. He's lashing out and hitting. But at the same time, he is the sweetest little boy. He's happy 90% of the time, but between his difficulties and the terrible twos, he's having a rough time. Thank you for letting me vent. I don't feel like I can let out my sadness with many people because no one in my family has a child with ASD. My husband is amazing, but I really feel so alone. And I believe that this next comment is also from them that they say, I also have a 10 year old, not on the spectrum. I feel like I'm failing my family. I'm so exhausted. And this process only just begun. I just needed to have a good cry, and now I'm ready to continue fighting for both my boys. Thank you for being that safe place for so many of us. Um, okay, so. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes. Such an emotional email, and um, first of all, as Shannon would say, air hugs. Yes, no kidding. Um, not only is this a safe place for you to share, but also uh, I'm happy that you reached out because I just want to get you onto the right path so that you don't feel this way, you know, going forward. Um, so some suggestions. One is don't think of this as a never-ending thing, first of all. So I think that sometimes we feel hopeless and because we think we don't know that there's an end in sight. And we're like, I, you know, if you knew that six months from now things are going to be very different, I think you'd have a renewed sense of energy. And so let's work on making sure that six, not even six months, two months from now or three months from now, things are going to be very different. And so by that, what I mean is that we need to build, we need to stop for a minute. You know, sometimes when I feel the same way here at CARD because CARD is growing so fast, that I feel like I'm running all the time, right? And when you're running all the time and you're running pretty fast, 
Um, it's very hard to pay attention to certain things that might be more important in the long run uh, because all, what you're doing is you're just dealing with stuff that's happening right now. It's like, he's crying right now, I gotta deal with it, I have to take care of the 10 year old, I have to do this, I have to, and you're going so fast. And we tend to forget some of the things that are really important to save our own lives three months from now. And so I wanna remind you of some of those and ask that perhaps every night after the kids are asleep, you spend maybe half an hour working on this particular project. And this particular project is, we'll call it the sanity project. And it's gonna be the project that will give you back your sanity. It'll bring you back to a place where you can survive and, and not only survive, but you can feel better. So what you need is, first of all, to develop a better support system. And that means that you need to have at least one person, ideally two, but at least one person with whom not, you can share things without worrying about it, but also who can jump in and be a temporary mom here and there. And that would be maybe a best friend, a cousin, a sister, a mom, um, a, another mom from school, or someone someone that you feel could just, and they don't, they just need to have compassion towards you and be able to jump in for a few hours, uh, maybe an afternoon, uh, when you need a break, maybe a full day, when, whenever you need a break. It could be your husband, uh, it could be anyone in your ex extended family, but you need to identify that person or those people and specifically, so what you need to do tonight when you have that break after the kids are asleep is to first list the potential people. It's like throwing a party. Make your list. And the next thing is, like tomorrow or the next day, you will literally contact these people and say, I need you to be my surrogate person or whatever you want to call it, but I need you to be my fill-in. Um, and it won't happen very often, but when it happens, I need to make sure there's a fill-in um, so that I can ha just have you come and take care of stuff for a half a day. And during that half a day, I will be going to the spa. I will be going shopping. I will be going and sleeping. I will be going to do my hair, to do whatever it is. But whatever that is has to do just with you. Nothing about the kids, nothing taking care of anyone else. It is just taking care of you. And, uh, you know, sometimes we need that once a week, sometimes we don't need it for a whole month, but you need to have a person who can step in. And, you know, sometimes you might also have the financial resources to hire that person, I don't know. But uh, I remember when I was, when I had three young children, I had to have nanny help. If I didn't have, and I had au pairs, but if I didn't have au pairs, my life would have been a disaster because I had to travel, I had to deal with card business, I had to deal with the house and the family and my mother and all, all sorts of stuff and I needed that those people there to help me. So you need to build that support system first. That's really, really important because, so once you have that and you feel a, a little bit more sanity, then once you're a little bit stable and can, kind of like you feel like you, you don't feel exhausted all the time, then you can start actually planning some stuff that's going to be very important for your child, which means he's a two and a half year old that's terrific. Get him into a full com comprehensive ABA program right away. I don't know where you live. Um, uh, if you are close to a card site, 
card centers allow you to bring the child and leave the child all day there. We will do therapy at our site. Um, we will train you extensively to, so that you feel completely comfortable with him and that you can follow through when you're with him at home. But um, we also feel that our, we've, we have research, we've published research that shows the kids do better twice as fast. They learn twice as fast at our sites than they do in the home. So, you know, find a site, get ABA therapy. If you're not close to a card site, find a really good ABA therapist or a BCBA who will um, recommend, and hopefully you're in a state where there is insurance coverage, recommend and get a 40-hour program. Not a 10-hour program, not a, anything less than 40. He's a two and a half year old. This is the age where children should receive comprehensive, intensive, early intervention. So that means a 40 hours per week program that does not include other activities. That is pure ABA therapy, 40 hours a week. Um, and if you're dividing it by five days, then it's very clear. If you're dividing it by seven days, that's even better because you can have some coverage over the weekend. Um, make that happen as soon as possible. Uh, let me tell you, <clears throat> insurances will require things like a diagnosis so you're going to have to line up, get the diagnosis. Sometimes you'll have to get, which won't be from the VCBA. It'll be from, from a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a developmental pediatrician, a neurologist can give a diagnosis and so on. Then you find the BCBA. You all have a few things to line up. So get your diagnosis and assessment, get the therapy underway, and then, you know, get back in touch so we can talk to you about making sure the therapy is good. But as you do all this, and that, of course, will change your life and your son's life, right? Your son will start to acquire skills. Things will become a lot easier. If you don't do this now, things will become harder. Let me just say that because, and I don't want to scare you. I just want to be very honest with you. He, it's not about him being happy. It is about him being functional enough to engage in real life with his peers and gain happiness there. And if you don't teach him, if we don't, if the ABA people don't teach him the right skills right now, later on, he'll become more frustrated. You know how he like might cry right now because he wants something and he doesn't have access to it? Later on, it'll become more and more and more frustration on his behalf, unless he has learned the skills and he knows that crying, tantruming, screaming, all that doesn't work talking, communicating does work. And so it's very important for him right now to learn the appropriate form of communication and everything else. He's only two and a half. He's got a very good chance of doing extremely well in an ABA program. So please do that. Last word of advice, two things. As you're doing all of this, tell your husband everything you just said to us because he, this is all about a partnership. and. No single person can handle this. It's just too much. You need support. So share with your husband and ask for more support from him as well. And the last word of advice is please don't forget the 10-year-old. I know that you're just trying your best to take care of both of their needs, but a lot of times what I see is that the older siblings, because they're easier and because they don't have issues, get zero time. So make sure, because you're still influencing his life as well, Make sure that you have quiet time that you set aside for him. And again, I've now given you a whole bunch of homework, which means you need to start with your support system first. 
And I just want to say, Samantha just told me in my ear that um, Crystal Shepard has written in and said, I don't know what we would have done without you. And, and that kind of parlays into the next thing that I want to say is that this very easily, what you wrote, I'm so emotional because this, except, all, except for the 10-year-old, this was me. Yeah. My son was two and a half. And I just want to say to you that feeling of I'm failing and I don't, you know, and I'm I'm exhausted already, and and I know that there's a bunch that I got to do in that. I used to look up overwhelmed in the dictionary because I, I that was like the tape that played in my head. I'm overwhelmed, and then I was like, I better look it up and know what it is I'm saying to myself, right? Um, so I want to say to you, sister friend, step into yeah. the arms, step into the fold, and you know, Crystal Shepherd was the one who told me about Card. Um, so, you know, it's this chain of love that is surrounding you of, of women who have been there and done it. And I want to tell you on behalf of myself and on behalf of Crystal, you're going to be okay. That what you're feeling, it's just right on the money and you will be okay. We felt it and we got through it. And you're going to hold hands with all of us. You know what I like to say on the show? Si se puede. Right? We can do this. And so, you know, hang on. Hang on. And I love all the advice that Dr. Grand Pichet gave. Um, but, but know that you are in more people's arms than you are aware of right now. Um, and that it's going to be okay. There's a whole bunch of action that you're going to have to take. And that seems overwhelming right now. But the truth of the matter is, is that when, once you start taking the action, you will feel better. Your child will start to get better and you will see all the possibilities and the hope. That's what I want to inject into you right now, the hope of there's going to be a day when your shoes will sit underneath your table and you will sit across from somebody and say, wow, I can't believe we did that and we got through that. That day is coming. I'm promising it to you. Yeah. Like, it's it's coming. Feel that from us. So, and reach, you, you reached out, and that's awesome. Feel free to reach out. I say to all of you, you can email me directly at s dot penrod p-e-n-r-o-d at autism hyphen live dot com we all have felt alone at some point on this journey and none of us really are alone it's just one email away one phone call away right there are people and let's help to connect you hopefully you've got that network that of people to choose from and if you don't don't worry we're going to find one for you all right i'm all the clamped um, but it's going to be okay. It will. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's just, it's such a scary experience you're going through right now. And, and there's so much fear that we experience and that makes us worry more even because we think like, I can't do this. Oh, yeah. You can do this. You can do this. And not only can you do this, but we will help you do this. There are people out there who care about you and will help you do this. Your son's going to do well. He's going to get through this as well. It's just, and remember one thing, we never are given challenges unless we can succeed them and overcome them. And you will overcome this and you will get to a higher level, as Shannon said, where you will look back and you'll be like, wow, what did I, what did yeah. we just, like, I can't believe what we did. And, and you'll feel, it'll feel like a privilege too. Like, Absolutely. wow, what it an incredible privilege. privilege that I just went through this with my family. I'm glad that you've got a great husband. Boy, that's woo, in your corner. And, you know, I, and I also want to tell you that that feeling of, oh, I can't, that's, it's okay that you have that and you don't have to feel guilty about that. I tell people very honestly that in the beginning days, once I understood what we were facing and, and how much it was going to take, right. once I really knew that, my inner thought was, uh, there was a day that I was like, I hope I get into a car accident 
and that I don't die, but I'd like to be put into a coma for the next five years, and that they wake me up oh when gosh. it's all over, and they go, oh, we went through the ABA, and everything's fine. That's how I felt, my right? And, and yet I was able to walk through it day by day. It wasn't easy. Not going to candy coat that. But I always say to people, look, if I can do it, I know you can. And I'll be in your corner. I'll put a cheerleader costume on. And that's saying a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll be your cheerleader. Anyway, uh, so feel the love and uh, keep reaching out. But hang on. It's going to be okay. But let's get the help started. Once the action starts, that'll be good. Let's take a break. I need to mop down. And then, <laughs> then I do want to say before we go to break that uh, mom wrote in and said, hi, uh, Dr. Doreen and Shannon. I, I wrote a follow-up question about my daughter last week, the 15-year-old who has difficulty inhibiting her imp impulses with the opposite sex. Would you be able to answer that today? I would love to hear what Dr. Doreen has to say. And thank you. And I just want you to know, I got you, girl. It's number one here on the list. So okay, we're doing that right after the break. Stick with us. activities are a great way to practice some skills you're already working on with your child. For the month of November, we'll be making a paper corn. The skill we're going to be focusing on with this activity is fine motor, more specifically the pincher grasp. You'll see why in just a moment. Depending on the skill level of your child, you can also have them help you fold the paper, trace the silhouette of the corn, or cut it out. It all depends on what you want to be focusing on today. The materials you'll be needing are paper, tissue paper, a pencil, glue, and a cup of water and paintbrush if you're using the wet glue, scissors, and a template you can download from our website at facebook.com slash autismlive. And don't forget to like us while you're there. Or you can always just draw it from your imagination. All right, let's start the activity. First, I want to do is take my tissue paper I bought from the store and turn it into strips that I can then turn into squares. Again. They don't need to be perfect squares because we're going to be changing its form anyways in the end. All right. And as you can see, I've done it to several different colors. I cheated. And they're all right here for me to use. All right. The next thing we want to do is to make the shape that we're going to be gluing all the kernels onto. I have my template that I already downloaded from facebook.com slash autismlive. And now I'm gonna use this to make the form that we're gonna be gluing onto. I'm gonna take one of my pieces of paper, I'm gonna fold it in half. This way the corn will be symmetrical. Once it's been folded in half, I'm gonna take my form and then I'm gonna trace around it. And again, depending on your child's skill level, either you can do it or the child can do it. But again, the focus of this activity is the pincher grasp. All right, now that I have it traced, I'm going to cut it out. And ta-da, here is my blank corn, but it's missing its kernels. So now that's what we're gonna be working on. I'm gonna use this glue, but you can always use a glue stick as well. The reason why I like this one is that it doesn't dry as fast. So I'm going to squeeze it all over my corn and then take my paintbrush, dip it in some water, and then smear it all over the corn. The next step is making the kernels. What your child is going to do is take one of the tissue squares and practice 
their pincher grass. Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. And once they have this, then they're gonna place it onto the corn. And as you can see, it's got a lot of surface area to cover with these kernels, so lots of opportunities to practice their pincher grass. And ta-da, it's done. As you can see, lots of opportunity to practice your child's pincher grasp. When you're finished, don't forget to share your pictures online at facebook.com slash autismlive. I look forward to seeing them and see you soon. Bye. Can you see me? Can you see me flying by your side? Welcome back to Autism Live and to Ask Dr. Doreen. We're here with Dr. Doreen Grampichet and she's answering your questions in real time. We had a question a couple of weeks ago about a 15-year-old girl um, with some issues of wanting to be around boys and asking them to kiss her. She wrote in with a follow-up. It says, hi, Shannon and Dr. Doreen. This is the mother of the 15-year-old girl that I wrote about last week. Thank you for responding to my question. But I would like some further clarification on what else I can be doing at home when these situations occur. As I mentioned, my daughter can answer questions about what she should, should not do with boys. I'm pretty sure that she is doing this to get attention... Did I skip a line? No, no, no. I'm pretty sure that she is doing this to get attention from boys. She says she wants a boyfriend. She wants a boy to tell her she's beautiful, etc. At home, we're teaching her about what it takes to maintain friendships and eventually relationships. But when she's still being impulsive at school, telling a boy to kiss her, asking boys to come home with her, what should I do? Further, legally, what can I ask from the district, from the school district, and how should I consequate these actions when she gets home? Because this is the mom that's getting the notices from the school. I love it when schools go, by the way, your child did this at school, as if as if we're Miss Incredible, the mom and the Miss, I was thinking, you know, she's got those arms that can stretch way past her, as if I can be home or at work and my arms can make it to school and go, don't do that to I my know. child. I know. Frustrating. I know. So, um, okay. Just, it's very hard to answer this because I know nothing about her functioning level. So let me ask you a couple of questions first and then I'll try to give some feedback. So my first question is, what is her functioning level? In other words, does she under, when you say that you're practicing stuff at home, like first of all, just tell me, is she, does she have a diagnosis of autism or ASD? Does she have a diagnosis of Asperger's? Um, if she has a diagnosis of ASD, is it very high functioning? And when you say school, is it a regular ed school? Is it a special ed program? Is she in all regular ed classes? What grade level is she? Uh, what grade level is she? Does she have girlfriends? Um, there's a lot of stuff I need to know before I can kind of give you some more guidance because my thoughts are, you know, is she capable, let's say, of if you were to list a series of things that are just, can she read well enough where you would list a series of things that say, um, I cannot say and I can say. So these are the things I can't say and these are the things I'm allowed to say. And so then in the list of things that I can't say are kiss me, uh, come home with me, stuff like that. I can't say these to boys. And then on the right side would be all the things that I can say right now. Like, you know, what did you think about this class? 
Um, what's your favorite TV show? Whatever it is that's appropriate. I mean, if that's the level she's at, that's what you need to give her right now until later when she realizes, because there's a whole, there's like one activity we have which is called levels of friendship and it starts with what's an acquaintance, what's a stranger? What is an acquaintance? What is a friend? What's a best friend? And so on and so forth. And you identify all the behaviors that you have with each level. So for instance, if it's an acquaintance or if it's a stranger, I generally won't talk to them. Um, if they talk to me, these are the types of answers I give them, very clear visual, not things that require mental thought, just behavior. You're dealing with writing out very specific things. Don't have her reason it out. It's just, this is a, these are the people, let's classify strangers, like people I've never talked to before, people I don't know, I don't recognize, I don't know what their name is. These are the things I'm allowed to say to them. Uh, these are the settings I might see them in, et cetera, et cetera. And then acquaintances. Acquaintances would include like all the boys and girls in school who I don't personally know very well, which means I might know their name, but I've never really spent a lot of time with them. So define what that means. What is an acquaintance? And then specifically write out for her. These are the things you're not allowed to do or say with those people. This is what you're allowed to do or say. You are allowed to, for instance, uh, you know, walk with someone to the next class. You're allowed to ask them how their weekend was. You're allowed to so on. But you cannot ask them to do something private and you have to list what they are. Like you, you can't ask them to come hold your hand. You can't ask them to kiss you. You can't ask them to come home with you, whatever her behaviors are. And then when you get to friend, you redefine and say, what are, how does an acquaintance become a friend? So a friend is someone whose name you know, but they've hung out with you, they've shared interests with you, and you have to be very specific as you do these so she really understands who this person is, who these people are, and then you will help her by listing the names of all the people that are in this group. And then she knows with these people, this is the behavior that's okay, and this is the behavior that's not okay and so on and so like if she's not able to reason it out and if she can't tell that it's inappropriate the social level of of approach is is inappropriate it's because of those things but it's because she doesn't realize this is an acquaintance this is inappropriate for me to go up to this person and say something like that and ultimately who do you actually say something like give me a kiss or come home with me is a boyfriend or a very intimate friend, like a best friend or something like that. And then, you, so you have to define all that for her because she clearly is not seeing those boundaries. And what you're doing is you're defining the boundaries and then telling her exactly what is and isn't okay for each level of okay. acquaintance. So that's the first part of the question about things that you can be working on at yes. home with your ABA team. The next part is legally what can you ask from the district and I would think that this all comes under the heading of the ITP, the Individual Transition Plan and if she's 15 so they should already be putting an ITP yes. in, in process and and that they need to get them to write in these kinds of programs into the ITP. Absolutely. And they should actually, so this is the thing with consequences. You know, Shannon is so right. They always, the districts will tell you, oh, this is something happened at school as if you can deal with it at night, 10 hours later. The consequences, negative consequences in particular, have to take place as soon as possible. If you're doing a negative consequence six hours later, then it better be visually documented. In other words, 
it better be a token system that actually shows her because if you if she comes home and then you're sitting there and saying I heard that today this morning or yesterday you asked a boy to do something there's no connection from what happened and what you're dealing with right, right then and there that is not going to connect for her she will that's a long-term consequence for her and it's not gonna work so what has to happen is the moment that she goes up to a boy and says I want you to kiss me someone which means the school might have to actually give her an aid someone needs to be there to watch her and to be able to go up and say that was one of the things you were not allowed to say I'm gonna have to give you a sad face on your token system there has to be a visual system in place so she sees it that she's doing well or she didn't do these things or they're getting sad faces where it shows or or an X or whatever that indicates oh you did something you weren't supposed to do then when she comes home at night if she has numerous sad faces or even one sad face then you can consecrate it and say oh I'm sorry honey but I see you have a sad face I'm gonna have to you know I can't give you dessert tonight or I can't whatever it is and then that whatever the actual consequence is has to tie in to the token and that's a very important thing not only does it have to tie in as a immediate exchange or of some sort of exchange but in value it has to tie in so for instance if there's one sad face it, she loses one small thing if there's five she loses a bigger thing the value has to tie in so those are very important things and your school should have a BCBA on staff or consulting who can set up a very good token economy for her but that's how it works it's not like you're expected to deal with it at home okay let me ask you this though so this is a response uh, cost right when, when they were going to take something away if could she, be um, and I, there's a million and I, consequences and I find that parents are always looking for that because we've all because it feels like a punishment thing and we've all been taught well mm -hmm. they have to lose something for it would it but I'm confused always about this with ABA. Would there also be the potential for giving her, every time she does something on that list appropriately, 100%. giving her a smiley face so that we're encouraging the good behavior with Absolutely. the right people and that there's some, you know, that a certain number of smiley faces and she gets something and, a, and if she amasses a bunch over a week, then she gets something huge. Absolutely. So all token economies to be effective have to have both sides. So okay. response cost on its own is a response cost. Token economies have both sides. So they have a, it's that token economies are money. Right. It's like money. If you have enough money, you can buy a bunch of good stuff. If you don't have enough money, you lose things that you wanted to buy. That's essentially what it is. Those tokens are like money. If she comes in and she's receiving really good happy faces instead of sad faces, yeah, absolutely she has to get also equal value okay. uh, so if she has one happy face and she has three sad faces then the net result is two sad faces and basically she's not going to get that reinforcer that day but if she has you know a higher level of happy faces undoubtedly and most important that's what actually makes the whole thing work is the positive reinforcement yeah. So response costs on its own is effective, but when you have a positive reinforcement and the child is working towards something that they really want. So that's why it would be better if there's a BCBA involved because they can actually set up something that works in terms of they'd have to do a reinforcement inventory and assess what are the things that are important to her. For example, let's say she's really into boys right now. 
it, it might be a really fun thing for her if she was allowed to go to a dance that's coming up or if she was w able to watch a romantic movie or whatever it is but those are the big rewards that come if she can regulate her own behavior and let me tell you right off because this has to do with regulating her own behavior there is nothing you can do about it unless there's someone there you're not there you don't know what's yeah. going on so hearing about it after the fact is just ridiculous like it does not allow you to intervene or do anything thinking that you could have a conversation with her and fix this is also not that's just not that's the school throwing their responsibility on you they need to have more assistance in there they need to have someone in there or maybe it, it, the school isn't but you have insurance and you have an ABA team and this is where the ABA team should be intervening in school because they're not teaching her academics they are teaching her be appropriate behavior which allows her to go to school and if someone doesn't intervene with this right now she's not going to be able to access school so okay. It's very important. Uh, very important. And I, and I want to say, too, not to sound negative, but even my experience, even when there is a BCBA sometimes at the school, it, they're not always the best BCBA. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm or saying? It's not even that. It's always that they have just so much on They might be plate. overloaded. They're overloaded, right. All right. I think that might be the case. And so, but sometimes the BCBA is not the best BCBA. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, in my experience. Um, but, uh, but you know, if you get it written into the ITP that they have to work on this, or you get it written into the, I think you're going to have an easier time getting it into the ITP than the IEP, then they have to work on it. And then it gives you some latitude to go in and say, I'm going to give a reinforcer at home. You just run the token economy, which is a way, and you'll also have a way of taking the data on it. But from what I have seen, that if we think for a second, I the example of the tiger mom who, you know, mm, mm, right, mm, punish right. her kids into doing whatever. Right. No. That what happens is that at a certain point, the, the minute the kids are away from that parent, they're going to do whatever it is that they want to do. Absolutely. If we truly want to change behavior and have them truly self-regulate, I think that comes through more, as you were saying, the positive reinforcement. Reinforcing her heavily every time she behaves properly with a boy Absolutely. is your insurance policy for when you're not there down the road. Definitely, definitely true. And it's about, you know, you, I always give the example of the, the following. You, you, for ABA to be effective, you start with little demand, high reinforcer, and then you gradually reduce the reinforcers and increase the demands to the point where it becomes like real life. Now, keep in mind that for a 15-year-old, real well, it depends. I mean, already by 15, there's so much stress in kids' lives. But nevertheless, a 15-year-old has more reinforcers in life probably than we do, that like say you do. You have so much more going on in your life, and you, your, your maximum reinforcer is, most of it is internal, right? But for kids, for little kids, they have reinforcers all day long. They eat candy, they play, et cetera. And as, as you age, your reinforcer level goes lower and lower and lower, and your demand level goes higher and higher. That's just resilience, we learn. But with our kids, they need a higher level of reinforcer. And absolutely, they do. They need that reinforcement in place, and they also uh, need to have you gradually increase their self-regulation, the rules, because otherwise they'd never be able to survive. 
Okay. We've got so many other questions coming in and a lot of things coming in about the, the mom that we talked about at the, oh, the top of the show. She wrote back and said, thank you for all your suggestions. I know I have to take time for myself to renew my sanity. What's making this whole process so difficult is that my insurance will not cover ABA. She's in Florida. Um, she says funding is the problem. So I, I think you should email me and let's start looking at different cause, yeah, because because she might be eligible for the Medicaid, Medicaid. Yeah, we have in Medicaid Florida. in Florida and it's really really good. So where you are in Florida, let Shannon know so that we can start we, talking. She's to already her. told me that she's in Hollywood. Florida. Hollywood is on the right side. It's on uh, near um, Miami. So uh, we need to figure out what's out there for you. Okay. And if you write to Shannon a little bit more detail, uh, Shannon, we should ask John. Because okay. he's, he's, we're starting to develop Florida, by the way, just so you know, we are already, um, we are in Boca Raton. And that's not far from Hollywood, but we want to start talking to you and trying to see how we can help. Okay. Uh, and so also, can I just go back quickly yes. for that, Mom? I, I don't want you to think about, like, do the specific things I said. Don't just think, oh, I know I have to like get support, I have to take time off for myself. Start by finding your surrogate to helpers. Just really do that because although you might not think that it's important, it's really important to have the other people who can step in so that you can actually have time for yourself. Because most of us as moms, we feel guilty about enjoying life when our kids are having a hard time and we just, we just keep loading it on ourselves and keep thinking, hey, I can do this, I'm strong enough, I'm strong enough, I'll carry the load. And you can't carry this load. Like, let me just tell you, I don't, you shouldn't be carrying this load alone. So please get someone else in there. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's how you have to do it. That's the way to succeed. This is just, think of it as a heavy weight. You can't pick it up alone. Someone needs to hold one side of it. That's all it is. Yep. I absolutely, I totally agree. I want to go to this next question that somebody wrote in. They said, hi, Shannon and Dr. Doreen. First, tell that mom she's not alone. Yes. Uh, this mom goes on to say, We're, we are dedicated skills users. And recently, my son, who is nine, has started biting himself when he gets upset. It's happened about four times. And I'm terrified. And the I am terrified is all in caps with an exclamation point. I have seen the self-injurious kiddos and I never knew how those parents deal. What is my first step? Mm. Uh, this is a new behavior and I wanna get it under control before it gets out of control and she put before in caps. Three times he has bitten his hand and the last he dug his nails into himself. All have been when he was denied access to a preferred item. Don't you love how our parents use the jargon? <laughs> Just, I'm very proud of you. Um, we, we, all, we all talk like uh, mini BCBAs now. He was denied access to a preferred item. I love uh, it. I love it. So uh, we've gone to the dark side. Okay. <laughs> uh, but in any case, that is what happened. Uh, okay. So what can we tell this mom? And I, and I just want to say, here's a mom who's terrified, and she took time to tell the other mom, you're not alone. Right. That's how this works. I love you. That's awesome. Yes. So a couple of things. I don't know if this mom is listening right now or watching right now, but if you are, you can maybe answer these questions as well. So what happened when he bit himself? First of all, how bad was it? Like, in other words, did he actually cut in and it started bleeding? Um, that's my first question. How bad was it? And secondly, what did you do? Uh, did you back off? Did you give him access? What happened? Because <clears throat> this is... 
uh, not really the self-injurious behavior that you should be afraid of. The self-injurious behavior, there's always this thing in, in autism where in it, because I'm old in this field, I can give you some uh, little tidbits so that you're not worried at all. Self-injurious behavior, and when we first started seeing self-injurious behavior 30, 40 years ago, that was a very, very different self-injurious behavior. So when parents tell me about self-injurious behavior, the first thing I ask them is, does he do it when he's completely alone and having a good time? Or does he do it when a demand is placed or access to something is denied? And if it is the case where a demand is placed and access is denied, then that's not something to worry about at all. Because you, this is simply the child trying to freak you out. That's it. They're angry. They want something. You're not giving it to me. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you to give it to me. And what that starts with is I'm going to scream and cry, and if you ignore that, I'm going to just bite my hand. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do whatever it is because I'm really angry, and I don't know how else I can get you to understand how angry I am, and I want that thing. So the first thing you do is you do not give the preferred item. I want to be really clear about that. When the child tantrums like this or does self-injurious behavior, you don't give in. You do not give in. Don't give the preferred item. So now you're saying, oh my God, but he's going to injure himself and all this sort of stuff. So first of all, he will not injure himself. He will do it in order to scare you. So if it has already gotten to that point, but I'm gonna, in a minute I'm going to tell you some pointers that will hopefully prevent it from getting to that point. I just point. want to tell you, she says, no, I do not give him access to it. It scared me, and I told him to calm down and use his words and tell me what was wrong and what he needed. That's so awesome. I love that. That's fantastic. Good job. Now, the issue here she is... She also said it just left a mark, so the yeah, no blood was great, drawn. Great, great. So okay. don't worry about it. It's not going to get worse. So the problem is, if he has now tantrumed and, and done that sort of self-injurious behavior, and now you ask him, what do you want? Use your words. He's going to ask for that object, right? And then he's going to get the object. That's fine, except it would be better if he didn't do the aggressive behavior first. So here's what I want to tell you. We want to try to do everything we can do. What you've done is great, first of all. I'm very proud of you for not giving him the what I would do is I would just remove the, access, the, the preferred item completely from the possibilities right then and there so that in the future if he wants it, he just asks for it, but it, he can't tantrum, aggress, be prompted, then ask for it. Because now what you're doing is you're rewarding that sequence that next time again he'll aggress, you'll say, what do you want? He'll use his words, he'll get the... That's not what we want. What we want is for him to use his words from the get-go, right? So what we have to work on is that. We have to work on, you have to identify, if you can, signs of frustration. Um, so if you can start to see that he's starting to get frustrated, break down the sessions so that he gets more reinforcers before aggressive behavior happens, okay? Very simple. So reduce the demands. Like I've done things like reducing the lesson difficulty, going to easier lessons, whatever you have to do. Reduce the demands, increase reinforces before bad things happen. Now, if you see things escalating, you can also then prompt more. 
So you can, before the aggression begins, you can start making it easier by prompting, getting him to ask for things then, because if he asks for a break or a reinforcer before he's done this or aggressed towards himself, give it to him, sure, go for it. Give him reinforcers and allow him to like calm down and all that sort of stuff, right? But the bigger issue here is that what most likely happens with a lot of our kids is that we tell them they can't have something right then. Like we'll tell them, you can have it in five minutes, and they have no concept of time. Most of the time I find with my kids, no matter what age they are, their aggression and their frustration is because they don't understand that it's coming, it's just we're just not there yet. You'll get it in one minute. You'll get it in five minutes. You'll get it tonight. They don't get the concept that it is eventually coming. So you need to kind of put it on some sort of visual thing for him. And I don't, did she say how old the child is? Or I don't think we did hear There's how a lot old. of different ways you can do visual schedules, like for instance, or visual anything. Nine. 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 He's nine. So like you can do a lot of different things. For instance, you can list the activities and then the reward. So you can show him on a visual, we have to do this thing, then you'll get this reward, this thing, then you get this reward, and then after we've done three things, you'll get the bigger reward. And you can use pictures, you could use words, whatever his capability is, so that he knows his schedule. Another thing you can do, ask him at the beginning of every lesson, what are you working for? What would you like to work for? Put three things out and have him choose. So he always knows the thing that he's working for. He chooses his reinforcer, now you hold it, you put it over here and you do the thing, and then you give it to him. And that could be a sit-down lesson or, or anything during the day. You can also, during the day, have him identify his reinforcers and then visually let him know when he's about to get them. Anything that is of a time-type schedule will help him. We have a lot, there's a lot of apps if you look online also for uh, time schedules and things for kids with autism that helps them like under timers uh, like little visual things of like a uh, you know like a line that's reducing in time so you know that you're about to receive your reward Th those types of things anything that allows him to understand when the reward is coming is great but essentially you're doing is right deny access to the preferred item if he already does something like aggress and try to just give him more of preferred items more frequently prior to aggressing. She says he gets upset when he loses on a game, when he has screen time, and that is normally when I step in and take the device away because previous he was warned if he is going to play and get upset, then he will have to take a break. That's awesome. So losing on a game is a, a, is a more complex skill. It's a more of a cognitive skill, and that's... Uh, something that should you, you can actually find that lesson is called winning and losing it's a specific lesson on skills that talks about teaching the child how to accept failure but it is a very cognitive based lesson so it's for kind of kids have to be at a certain level of functioning to understand the concept of losing otherwise and you and you're right in that you're trying to teach it to him cognitively so he understands it's okay to lose one of the things I do, by the way, with my kids is that I will lose. And I will be like, hmm, that's upsetting, but what can I do? So I'll think out loud. I'll be like, what can I do right now to con Maybe I can just ask for some. 
hey mom, I'm pretty upset. Can I get something else? That kind. So you can model behavior for him if his functioning level is there. If it's not, what you're doing is absolutely right. You're just you're not reinforcing the inappropriate behavior, and you are reinforcing him asking. She says yes. We do that with him already. So I'm glad to know we're on the same page. You're he understands great. working for his reward. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Good job. I, I'm so excited I, to be here and, and like be part of the conversation with you guys. It, you guys it. are I've, in tune. Yeah, I love, I love that. It it's live. Okay. Um, well, so moving forward, you'll let us know how things go. And I'm glad that because, you know, that when they hurt themselves, it's, it looks, it's very it scares horrible. us. It scares but you know, us. the old SIB, the self-induced behavior that it really is scary is the one that occurs when no demands are placed. Yeah. And, that and that's is, not what you're looking at no, here, so that's a good thing. Okay, I had a couple of questions that I wanted to get to really quickly because we've sure, got six sure. minutes. Um, okay, uh, hello, Dr. Doreen and Mrs. Shannon. This is from India. My child with PDD-NOS answers intraverbal questions orally, but she's finding it very difficult to write the same answers. She just acts confused. Please suggest it's becoming very frustrating for both of us, and thank you for everything. So this is, um, could be a very simple thing. You need to really have her vision checked out, first of all, to make sure that she's not having visual issues. I would also maybe have her tested for dyslexia. Uh, sometimes our kids have a hard time with just transposition of letters. So you, it, you know, it's very unusual to have a child respond appropriately verbally and have a hard time writing it. So there's something else going on. This is not the... It is not the case that, it, there's definitely something else. So there's either a visual problem um, or uh, something having to do with letters and being able to, you know, dyslexia type behaviors. It's issues. a growing field of, we've had a doctor on the show talking about all the different things visually that can go on. And, some, Absolutely. and sometimes it's a very, very simple fix. We know with kids with dys dyslexia now that there are different uh, sheets of film that they can give them to overlay and, and it takes care of it. It's there amazing. are glasses that they can put on and, and adjust them a certain way that It'll change it's our amazing. life. Amazing. Look at this as a very cool thing because it's kind of a red flag that allows you to start investigating some of those other things. There are neuropsych tests that show kids are reversing things visually for themselves so that that would be very important for you to look into. Okay, we got a YouTube question came in, but we had an email that came in that I want to get to from Northern Ireland. The mom who had written us about a lot of meds that her mm -hmm. son was on. Yes. And so this is the follow-up. She says, hi, Shannon and Dr. Doreen. My son is 12 years old, has autism, ADHD, and learning difficulties. We've withdrawn him um, from his stimulant ADHD oh, yes. medicine, which you had that. said, yes. Uh, yes. as they were causing him to have a very high level of anxiety. Mm -hmm. He has become more able to express his emotions and wants to interact with peers. At times, the thought of a social situation can be too much for him, and we and he will say to me that he does not want to go as he does. Uh, so he doesn't hurt anybody. When he was younger, we had a lot of hitting out at others and at times struggled to understand why. But now I can see this was possibly his way of getting out of a situation. Mm -hmm. I'm worried that now he's getting older and stronger that things are going to get very difficult if the lashing out at other people happens in public. I feel at a loss for how to deal with this. I would really appreciate any advice you can give. Right. So he hasn't really lashed out at anyone yet, but he's used it as an excuse to avoid a social situation. So I don't think you need to worry about the lashing out I, I, unless you force him into a very uncomfortable situation. 
I think what you need to be focusing on is teaching him how to do better in social situations that cause him anxiety. So there's a lot of, I don't know if you are on skills, but uh, there's a lot of stuff I think in the inhibition section of our executive functioning that might help you uh, in our executive functioning curriculum. This is really about the anxiety and the fact that he's experiencing a little bit of the anxiety now uh, and what I, or still has social anxiety. It's just social anxiety. So there's a lot of stuff you can do to teach him those things, but it requires, how oh, 12? What it requires is the opportunity to practice scenarios with him. So, and he's very, very high functioning or, you know, and so it'll be, you'll have to make them as real as possible. Um, and essentially what it is is things like this. So you'll have one other child that could potentially be a friend and then you will do a bunch of really fun activities with him and this one other person. Then he'll begin to feel very safe with this other person. When, when he has one buddy, the two of them together will be a much stronger unit and it'll allow him to enter social activities as long as this other friend is there and he will feel less anxious. If he's less anxious, I doubt very much that he would lash out at anyone or anything like that. I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to basically avoid the social situations that make him anxious. So give him all sorts of tools for that. A buddy is a good thing. Start working on that concept, like what are you afraid of? What are the things? These are conversations you can have with other people. These are the things you can say. These are the things that will happen. But don't throw him into a unique situation where he might not know people. Don't expect that of him either. Like really allow him somehow to establish one friendship. So if you're gonna like try to get him into social activities, I would help him like find, find what his interests are. Like I'll give you an example. I had a child who was very much like this and he, his only interest, he had kind of self-isolated and his interest was now playing games on his iPad which is no problem. So what we did is we set up these kind of um, like Minecraft or whatever it was that he was into, but with a partner, with someone else. And so he started playing online with these other kids that we knew and they all became friends. And now he had a friend and then they physically started going to places together. Um, so you have to establish, you have to enter his world establish a one-to-one -one friendship with someone so that he feels stronger and more secure in himself and then trust me he'll start opening up his world more yeah we've got so many questions that have just come in on youtube and i'm going to apologize to you guys because we just don't have time for them but hopefully we'll be able to get to some of these next week and i want to encourage people right in earlier in the hour although we we had so many questions today we couldn't possibly have gotten to all of them so i apologize from the bottom of my feet and i thank you so much for it's being my pleasure. with us for this and i hour. am here the next few weeks so okay. hopefully we'll catch up fabulous